Hello, I'm Katherine Stanley, Chair of the Organizational and Leadership Psychology Department at William James College. We are educating organizational psychology professionals to assist leaders and their companies in meeting their goals while creating thriving and vibrant internal workplace cultures. Our graduates work in for-profits and not-for-profits in all industries, from large and boutique consulting firms to military and government. For those of you who are new to our podcast series, Leadership Hacks, it will air once a month to examine timely topics and current events through the lens of organizational and leadership psychology. By sharing the psychology that influences individuals, teams, and whole systems, we endeavor to help you shift your thinking and see the world in a new way. With this new perspective, you can discover innovative approaches to solving the complex problems all business professionals face. We hope the insights offered by our experts are helpful to you as you tune in. Hi everyone, I'm delighted to be speaking with Dr. Bob Hill today. Bob is a founder of Match Beyond and recent graduate of our Leadership ID program. Dr. Hill, along with Mike Larson, founded Match Beyond in 2014. Since then, the program has seen 25 graduates. Their approach towards higher education represents a new paradigm, and Dr. Hill is here to talk to us today about disruptive innovation Hi. and has some advice for leaders. Bob, I'm so happy to see you back. Thanks for having me. This is great. <laughs> so, so tell me about how Match Beyond came to be. Yeah. Well, Match um, started off as a charter school in 2000. It was a high school, and slowly it's evolved into a K-12 system. And um, around, you know, after about 10 years of operation, we started to have our uh, first group of core group of students who had graduated high school, had been at college for four or five years, and it was time to start to look at our, our numbers, how we were doing. Match had a mission of college success. That was one of our core tenets. And as we started to look at our numbers, we, you know, we saw that our students were graduating at a rate of about 54%. And most of our students come from inner city Boston. They're low socioeconomic students. And if you look nationally, the rate of college graduation is about 9%. That's stunning. Yeah. For low socioeconomic students. Low socioeconomic students in, in traditional brick and mortar colleges graduating at 9%. That's sad. Do you have any idea like why they don't graduate? Well, that's, well, that's interesting. We, yeah. When we, we didn't at that time period in 2011, you know, we were just kind of like, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, on the other hand, we were doing pretty well, 54%. Right. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is good in a way, but there's 46% that weren't doing uh, well. And that was the part that matched to its credit, really started to focus on, yeah. not to rest on the, the 54, uh, 54% and to say, hey, listen, we got to make sure that we're doing something about this because You're it's not working. You're shooting for 100%. Right. Yeah. Shooting for 100% because that was what it was. All of our students succeed in college and beyond. So uh, that's where it came yes. from. Match Beyond. <laughs> that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, so that started in 2011. We started to really do some hands-on research and trying to support our students in college. And um, that was my job. I was the college support counselor. And uh, I went out literally to colleges to work with our students. Um, and I had all been their, their history teacher for a long time, so I had relationships with all of them. But the general premise was, can we get our students to do better by supporting them in college in their academic journey, walking with them um, while they're at various colleges across New England? So I spent a lot of time traveling to different colleges um, around uh, primarily Massachusetts and a little bit in uh, Rhode Island and New Hampshire. 
and meeting with students, talking with students, going to classes with students sometimes, wow. going, uh, uh, and we did various iterations of support. So you were like immersed in yeah. the experience. Right, you know, really in the weeds, as yeah. we like to say, really get down there and really see what was going on. Yeah. And the story that I uh, kind of found after doing this for a while. How uh, many, how long did you do it for? For probably about a year and a half, two wow. years of, of research. So you like on the road, yeah. showing up, meeting them, talking to them, going to school with them. Right, doing study sessions with them, nice. trying to see what was what was happening. Yeah. And what came out was really different than what we had imagined. And um, the, it really, we, it caused Match to start to question the value proposition of college. We had, you know, we have strongly advocated that all of our students are going to four-year colleges and living on campus, mm -hmm. and you know, taking the loans out to do it if needed. Yeah. And this, through uh, a combination of things, that this was really starting to be. Well, are we really Is doing that something right? that's curious? Yeah, yeah, it might be hurting some students, right? Did you find out how much debt they were coming away with? Yeah, I mean, this is the whole yeah. notion of financial aid isn't really about grants. Most of it is loans. Right. And you know, even if you have. $20,000 or $30,000 of loans, which is minimal. Like a Pell Grant or something. Yeah, yeah. the Pell Grant, and then you have to still supplement that with loans to meet the tuition, even at the state colleges. Yep. So if you have $30,000 of loans and you face $600 of payments afterwards, yeah. this is the stuff that cripples our students. And when I came talking to um, students who were you know, having these loans, these are things that were keeping them living with their parents yep. or, um, and not focusing on moving ahead with uh, their lives Having in a way. Delay. It reminds right. me of like the Great Depression, right? right? Because like, you know, a lot of people didn't get married or put off having kids and couldn't get a house because they just lost everything. But if you're starting from a low socioeconomic status and then you have these massive loans, right. it's not like you have savings or relatives or people who can help no. you with that. No, and absolutely, and particularly for, you know, low socioeconomic students, yeah. the support network work there is, is, is less, and yeah. um, definitely some complicated issues there. And that's the piece that really came out, uh, both on a uh, financial basis, but then also the way that the higher ed system is set up. Yeah. Um, it's synchronous, students have to be at a certain place at a certain time, yeah. and that piece was something that we didn't expect, but you know, our students had family obligations. Some of them were parents. Oh, and, right. And, and being on campus, trying to get to campus and while you have to take care of um, a young child is yeah. very difficult. Yeah, if they're sick that day, forget it. Yes, Yeah. and if you miss a week of class because your child is sick, you're done. Yeah. So these were things that started to come up and say, wow, this is, this is tough, this is really, um, there are a lot of things here that aren't working for our students yeah. and we and so we started to experiment with some different ways to try to support them yeah um, what did you do one of the ones that we tried was to I basically um, embedded myself as much as possible in their lives so I would go out to, yeah, I was spending a lot of time <laughs> spending a lot I didn't attend any cake parties or anything yeah. like that but uh, um, but I, you know, was out there for a large, uh, working with a small uh, group of students, trying to see if we can put in more hours and try to dramatically increase time on task mm -hmm. to improve. You mean like more hours of studying? More hours of yeah. studying, etc. Um, and there was some effect to it, but it was obviously going to be hard to scale for all of our students. It's like a uh, band aid on a situation yes. that's still the same situation. Right. right. I mean, and and yeah. so. 
you know, there, there isn't that support. And you probably couldn't do, be everywhere because you were the only one doing right. this, right? Yeah, we had and 200 And how many graduates. students were 200? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so you were trying to support all 200 so that they could stay in school. And what a momentous task. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, obviously, yeah. I mean, it was clear that it wasn't going to be able to be, you know, even this small kind of quasi-experiment or whatever test to say, you know, can we try to increase GPAs by putting in massive more time? It was only with a handful of students. Right. But what became very clear is that it's very hard to support people when they're way off somewhere else yes. and you don't come into contact with them. And you know, there's always this idea when you're working with students at college that they can kind of pull it out too. You know, it's like, hey, I have a C at, or a D at midterm, but I still got that final exam. I think yeah. I can pass the final exam. Yeah. And it's like, no, wait a second. <laughs> this isn't gonna happen, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and particularly too with minority students and the students at our school, getting help is often seen as a sign of weakness. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You so know, survival. Even asking is hard. Yes. Yeah. Right? You, I think, you know, if you grow up in a tough community, that you learn to do things on your own. Right. And right. so going and saying, I don't know how to do this, or, you know, I want extra help, is seen as a sign of weakness and that you can't do it. So there's a there's a piece yeah. there that really worked against that. So even yeah. if there was help available, no one's going to go and yeah. say, you know, this. So um, this got my mind thinking. That's the, the systemic, you know. Yeah, the systemic. Kind of racism and, you know, implicit bias happening, that the impact on them would be like, I'm not going to ask for help or, you know, yeah. it's humiliating to ask for help or... Right. I'm not going to ask for help. And, and the, the family support network that might help you, um, yeah. asking you about your grades might not be there as well. They're you in the same boat trying to struggle and survive in some cases. Right. You yeah. might be the first person who's gone to college too as well, right. right, in your family. Which makes it really hard to navigate. And then on top of it, if you're using English as a second language, there's so many factors. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, this was all very troubling and to matches the leadership of match, you know, uh, Mike Goldstein and Steve mm -hmm. Leshley. And when you say match, you're talking about match education. Match education, yeah. which is this larger parent group now, right. yeah. um, and um, we you know focused on trying to improve education and to innovate in education. Right. And that was the original charter school. Um, yeah, it became Match Education. The yeah. original charter school, actually, believe it or not, talks about change, was the Media and Technology Charter High School. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it really changed. Yeah, it evolved <laughs> itself. Yes. Yeah. It did. It did. So, uh, but that was kind of the basis for saying the system isn't working. Yeah. And there, there were definitely some, I think, in, uh, real bold leadership on Match's part because they uh, both... And you know, Steve Leshley and Mike Goldstein said, yeah, this isn't working. And what we've been recommending may not be the best thing. And let's go and try and, you know, iterate to do something better. And, you know, I did iterate and I also failed a bunch of times mm, okay. trying to support them. And they were like, keep on doing it, keep on doing it, keep on doing it. So they kept asking you for different models of like how do we do how to support this? them? And yeah. It's like okay, well this one didn't work. How about this? Wow. How about this? And 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 not to say like hey, what's wrong with you? You can't get the you know and but to classic story though of an inventor driven by a cause. Mm. Like I will find out how to make that electricity light bulb or you know yes. you keep trying and trying and trying. Trying right. right. That's classic. but it wasn't within supportive leadership too. I would yeah. say that that was really really good. That helped me. Yeah. That really helped me. So what was the 
final, I know it's not yeah. final, yeah, final no. quotes around it because I know you're always evolving. It, yeah. like, what was the we found, we found something we could innovation. hang our hats on. Yeah. Right. The innovation was that we kind of stumbled perchance on this program called College for America, mm-hmm. which was a program that Southern New Hampshire University had created um, to very much be a disruptive innovation itself. And it had some very unique components. It's a project-based program. And what does that mean for yeah, our listeners? Yeah. Literally, and also it's a competency-based program. I'll say mm-hmm. those together. Great. So you're working to complete competencies, skills, but the program is not connected to seat time. So this program says, you may have skills and knowledge already. You shouldn't have to sit in class to show that you know something. If you know something, and you know, some of these people are 28, have had professional jobs, have great skills. If you know how to do this stuff, show us that you know how to do it, and then move on. And currently, higher education is based uh, primarily on seat time, right? It's like you're here, demonstrate your learning by being in class for a certain time period. So can you give us, without naming names, can you give us an example of like how a student does that? Because we've talked about this. It's an amazing model. I wish this was available to me. (laughs) I would have not had so much debt. Of a project? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like one of the current projects um, is a project called Mind Your Business. I love Mm -hmm. the name. But it it really does three skills. It works Mm -hmm. on Excel and using just basic Excel, more than basic, using charts, graphs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there's a real tangible skill there. Second one is uh, writing a business memo, f- uh, proper formatted, and um, actually analyzing the goal of the project is to do a cost-benefit analysis mm-hmm. of some proposals. So some real nice. tangible business skills yeah. that are backed up with like, here, you're gonna present this in a way that you would have to in the workplace, yeah. um, both with the spreadsheet, to back up your calc, you know your, yeah. your your premise. Your memo has to be clear and make sense. Do the pros and cons of all the various proposals, and then you really do have to sit there and, and look at the factors and figure it out. And the proposal, the mind your business part, is that the company is considering getting a vending company to come provide snacks and um, and beverages for the company. So it's very practical. Yeah. But there are all these proposals that they That's have to kind analyze. That's a big complaint of a lot of millennials is like, I'm not being trained anything practical to help me on the job when I get out. So right. I get out and have all this debt, and then it's wasteland. I right. can't get hired. In, in college for America, Southern New Hampshire University, began with the end in mind. They went out and surveyed employers and said, what does the 21st century mm. oh, worker okay. need? And then once they decided on the skills, the competencies that 21st century employees would need, mm-hmm. then they built a program from that. So nice. the program is mapped directly to that. And so back to this. Yep. So this is a competency about yep. like business acumen. Yes being able to write clear business proposals. So if the student shows up, they have years of work experience, and they can do this the first shot, and to the competency level, they're done. Right, right, so the idea you can move, if you have these skills and knowledge, you can move through the program quickly. We've had people go through the program um, and graduate with their associate's degree in six months. Wow. And someone says, well, how did they do this? Well, because it's not tied to seed time. They and know they how to do it. They have this and you prove it, it's mastery learning. Which is, a, if you think about traditional college again, you know, if you get a C or even a B in a class, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah. You know, you could have got an A on the first part of the material and a C on the second part of the material, averaged yeah. out to a B. Right. This one is very clear. You mastered this skill. Or you didn't. And you and keep you trying until you do. Absolutely. So you're clear if they pass, that means they right. can actually do it. Yes. That is totally innovative. That's great. Right? Yes, and it's yeah. great for employers and for, you know, uh, other registrars at other colleges yeah. too, you know. Yes, who, who right. See the credits and say, "Oh, this is what this credit actually means." Right, exactly. And then in terms of your work with them, you worked with them in like small groups, so they're getting a lot more one-on-one or yes. um, 
small group time. Right. The ultimate thing that we kind of created was a coaching model for this program. So we it is, that, yeah. yeah, the College for America program is the program that we partnered with. Yeah. But what we basically wrapped around was support in all of its various uh, forms, um, social support, uh, emotional support, academic support, could be even financial support in terms of some of the, the minor things that can... Derail um, somebody? Yes, like a team pass. Like oh, wow. a transportation. Yeah. Um, it could be getting a babysitter. We partnered with this group called Sitters Without Borders that oh, does awesome. uh, sitters for moms. Yeah. Um, and so, because that's a huge, it's a huge barrier. Yeah. So, um, and then simply the, the, the idea that as a coach, we're going to walk with you every step of the way on your learning journey. And we always compare it to um, being like a personal trainer for a mm -hmm. workout, right. you know, and then learning muscles. Learning, yeah, and then we're going to be your personal trainer, yeah. but not for the gym, but for academics. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and we're going to walk with them every step of the way. So, you know, for me, it works because I've struggled with weight loss in my life, and I know that it's hard for me to get to the gym. Yeah, I have a personal trainer. Yeah, you know, and I work with a group of people, but you know, a social obligation to meet with them and right. get it done. Absolutely, yeah. and it works, yeah. and it works. And yeah. when I don't go, I, I avoid it because it's like I forget how good it is. Right. You right. know, and the same yeah. thing with students yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, so we've had this has been really very positive, and, and all of the students that are in our program are extremely, uh, really talented. But they're all students who also did not do well at traditional college. Right. Not necessarily because of their academic skills. Right. right. Or intelligence. Or right. Definitely it's not. Just, right. Really talented people. Yeah. Who just lack access. This is about access. Access and opportunity. Yeah. Um, and focus in, in time with a mentor, really. It's about right. coaching and mentoring, but just navigating the system, right? Like you're helping them do that. Absolutely. I mean, even doing the financial aid mm -hmm. um, yeah. is, is, is crazy. And some of the rules that are larger rules, the federal rules, so you're not considered independent until you're 24, right. according to the federal guidelines for financial aid. So if you're someone who's 19 or 20 or 21, you, you're independent, you're yeah. living on your own, you may be estranged from your parents or what have you, right. you still have to find your parents' income taxes oh. in order to qualify for financial aid. And what if your parents didn't fill them out? Then you don't get, I mean, first of all, you, maybe your parents didn't fill them out, but maybe you don't talk to your parents anymore. Yeah. Oh, wow. So what do you do in that case? Um, well, we take a very hands-on approach with everything, yeah. but sometimes we've been the bridge between the parents so and the child. To try and find them, track like, them down. We'll go down to the parents' house and try to, you know, wow. get them. You know, so it's yeah. everything we do is yeah. hands-on, and that's what but the... But that's just it, though, right? That's right. a big barrier without somebody, you know, maybe a little older or wiser, without the emotional, yes. you know, signature of what's happening on them, can think a little more clearly and help, right? Right, and, it's, and it shouldn't be that hard. It's hard to ask hard. a kid to do that, right? Right. It yeah. shouldn't be that hard to get. I mean, talking yeah. for the Pell Grant, it's $5,700. Right. right, right. You know, and so, um, but that so this is system is set up based on the nuclear family myth. Yes, right. Like absolutely. the parents are at home. Everything's working great. You should be able to fill this out. Get your tax. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, there's so many that right. could go a long time Which on the federal. Which is like an old paradigm, though. <laughs> yes. Right, and so the other thing I like about Matriani and what you're saying is like. MOOCs are the cutting edge of this disruptive innovation yeah. in education, right? right? But there's some real down points. Yes. Right? There's not competency-based testing, things right. like that, um, which is a problem. So a lot of people who start MOOCs don't finish them or fail, right. right? But the idea is it's taking a big cost out of education by using resources that are already there yes. and online and the internet and modern technologies. Right. 
But you guys are adding in that missing link of saying, A, number one, defining what a competency looked like, and then making sure the person gets that competency right. and has some, you know, face time. So yet they get to not have to be in college, you know, nine to five or whatever. Right. And yet they still actually learn. Right. Because that's the criticism of MOOCs, right? right? That people aren't learning. Right. You know, unless you're just naturally, that's one style of learning as well. So there's all kinds of problematic things, but it is the cutting edge of a huge innovation. Right. And I think MOOCs brought to light the fact that content's going to be ubiquitous here. That right. that's not the issue. Right. Content isn't the thing. And that, you know, you can get the content from anywhere, but the real learning happens on the ground. Yeah. And, you know, as you think about it, even as I did my doctoral program, yeah. As a doctoral student, I spent more time with you one on one. Yeah. And I'm on the end of you know, whatever, at the end of my academic yeah. journey, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 You decide to get another doctoral degree. Right. But, I mean, in a way, it's like, shouldn't you give more support to the students who are starting as freshmen oh, in college? Right. Oh, that's and ironic. It's isn't actually, it? it is ironic. Yeah. Here you are. I've actually been through. I have some really big classes, and then by the time you're at the you know doctoral level, right. you're getting that one on one with an, you know. Totally one on one, and you and I were so sitting down right. editing mm -hmm. my paper. Here I yeah. am as a doctoral student, and we're working hand in hand for many many hours yes. to your credit, <laughs> <laughs> editing my paper. But that's uh, yeah. but that's the, that's where Such you say, wait, this is this is on its ironic. Head. Right. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, in a way, we've touched upon that with this program, saying, yes, yeah. we're going to be walking with you every step of the way nice. and enjoying that. And what do you think is going to happen in higher ed? Mm. Because, you know, it's, it might be the end of higher ed as we know it, right? right. And you've spent a lot, I know you spent a lot of time thinking about, about that. You're doing this model that is, you know, at the leading edge of change, mm. right? And you're finding amazing results. And right. You're, you know, helping people get education who it was really hard to get before for all mm -hmm. the reasons you just said. It's such a compelling case, right? And you guys have figured it out. This is a massive radical innovation, mm. right? Yes, it is. So, and the market is shifting, too. A lot of people are opting not to go into higher exam. I'm not going to go into debt. Why would mm -hmm. I do that to myself? I can't get a job anyway. I'm going to go into a trade, or I'm just right. going to start working now, right? right? I mean, I think that the... the I, I believe that institutions that don't change yeah. are going to... You know, die out, um, and the changes that need to happen is uh, are about cost, yeah. about relevance, and really caring about the outcomes in terms of employment. Am I better off after I've gone to your institution? You right. know, it, is this something that actually changes my life? Right. And in a way that you know, maybe I did learn a lot, but I, I owe so much money afterwards that the cost benefit is not there. And you're new to the job market, right? Yeah, you know, if you're undergrad, exactly. so right. you're competing against people with many years right. of experience, yeah. and you ruin your credit rating, and you can't buy a house, and then it's like you know, this is this is it, it, yeah. There was an article recently in uh, I think it was Newsweek, and it said basically the title of it was "College Basically Ruined My Life." Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of you know YouTube videos and people saying, "Look, yes. I didn't learn anything that's relevant right. to what I actually need in the world." Right, you know? right. But getting to that part where you start to look at non-traditional models is a, where I think higher ed is having a, a problem. Because <laughs> we're all about tradition. <laughs> right, the tradition. I mean, it's really yeah. been the same in a way since. Mm -hmm. And uh, hierarchy and yes. you know, we like our hierarchy and right. so this is a challenge for leaders mm -hmm. right this leadership yeah. is saying how can we create something new and and to southern new hampshire's uh credit yeah. paul leblanc who's the president really has looked for non-traditional ways to innovate yeah. and he was willing to partner with a group that wasn't matched yeah. that wasn't involved in higher education and he's done it with other right. groups as well he's done a coding yeah. camp 
Um, he was he was he the one that was so impressed with what you did, and he said you had a red truck and you never really had a red truck. Uh, another guy. Yes, another guy. Okay. I was going off to college, and, uh, and college is my red truck truck. Yeah, but, okay. uh, <laughs> You're a myth. I, I'm a myth. It's like working the entrepreneur working in a garage. The garage, you know. So, but uh, but yeah. So that was that was a great piece that they were open to partnership and to looking outside of their you know their walls. Yes, and saying something new is needed. Right. So for your doctoral project, you wrote about this, yes. and um, you probably gave that information back to not only Mike Larson, but Match Education. Yes. And so, you know, what advice did you give those leaders? It was probably really confirming, probably. Right. But like, in terms of other leaders out there, because not only in higher ed, this is a massive disruptive change coming. Yes. Right? Um, this has been talked about uh, in a lot of places, like Scott Galloway's talking about mm-hmm. it in L2Ing, for mm-hmm. example. So this is coming, and I feel like higher education is often like GM, who heard, you know, this is coming. Know, this is Toyota coming. has found a way to make the whole car, yes. and they said, no, that's not going to catch on. Right. Their cars right. aren't going to be better and lighter and faster. Yes. And, yeah, and they were. Um, so this is what's coming towards higher ed. So, you know, disruptions, as we also know, uh, really disruptive technologies and paradigm shifts like this happen in every industry. So what is your advice for leaders? Mm. Well, I mean, the thing that I found in my study of MATCH and really connecting it to the literature on disruptive innovation is that the innovation began by looking at people who weren't succeeding in the traditional model and looking at the the failures, looking at people that we weren't had not been successful with and saying, you know, how can we do better by them? And not accepting the fact, first of all, that they were just kind of like, okay, they must not have succeeded, it must be on them. It's on them. It's on them. We took a systems approach. Right, and just yeah. saying, this, there's something here that's not working. Yeah. It's not working, you know, and so, um, and then, um, so looking at failure and, and really examining it and getting a real deep knowledge, uh, a true understanding. I mean, the, and this stuff is very, because understanding that is very nuanced and complex. Yeah. And the reasons aren't just simply that, oh, someone wasn't trying. Yeah. No, that's, you can do it that way. Right. You can say, well, the reason that black Americans aren't succeeding in college um, is because they're just not trying. Right. And no, right. this, is, this is a complex problem. And so, uh, um, so I think and the that's lesson kind of for me right, is, right, it like, is a compound. I don't want to learn anything new, so I'm just going to go with that, right? right? Yeah, so this is the challenge for to leaders to create a space to look for um, innovation, but to really look at people, that, customers that you haven't been successful with, yeah. and to say. You know what I like yeah. about the way you did that too, and I want to. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. So, but what I like about the way you did that, it wasn't like you were trying to find out why, but it wasn't like looking for blame. It wasn't looking for fault finding. It was really curious. Yes, it was. like, I really just want to understand why. You just got in there and like lived as, a, you know, you right. lived with this, these, these students and got into their space and figured it out. That's a really different way of looking at problems. It, it, right? we, I mean, we, I guess Our it challenges. happened organically because, mm-hmm. I mean, I really match is a family. It really yeah. truly is. It sounds mm-hmm. trite, but it is actually really true. And so I care about these students like, you know, um, my family. And so I think I really approached it with a real authentic concern about their well-being. And like, the, this is something that is, is not good. What I recommend this for my kids. Right. You know, and right. so I was curious. I was very curious and yeah. concerned about what was happening. And that really led me to look very deeply into it. Yeah. 
Isn't yeah. that like the, the essence of fundamental attribution error? Mm. When we say it's got to be the person, it couldn't be the situation. Right. And you do that so much. Leaders do it a lot. You know, what's right. wrong with the situation is probably the first question versus what happened with that person. Right. right. My exercise camp so early. <laughs> That's why I can't make it in the morning. It's too early. Damn it. <laughs> so so yeah. So in terms of leaders, so look at the look at the. Where you're failing, basically, you're but in a curious way, yes, and in a thoughtful way, and with the higher mission involved, like you're like this. I want these these people to graduate, right? And then also just keep yeah. on iterating because we and came up with a iterating. bunch of solutions, and we were genuine about our idea of getting to a hundred percent. But it took quite a time, and we're not there now. Even with our model, we have to keep on looking at where are we not succeeding. Yeah, yeah. so it's an ongoing. Yeah, definitely relentless. Too. But with the heart in it, right? Yes, absolutely. Like, with passion. And so far, you've gone to 25 students in right. just like a year or yes. so. Yes, and these are yeah. this out, right? students who graduated in, you know, for their associates, all of them have graduated in less than three years. Some of them wow. have graduated in less than a year. Um, they all graduated debt-free. As well. Wow. Yes, it's a very low cost program. Yeah. So, and by the way, we're measuring our outcomes not in terms of graduation rates, though, in terms of employment mm-hmm. and on the trajectory towards a middle class job. That's how we're defining nice. our success. How's that? It's going great. I mean, the you know, you realize that a lot of the hiring systems that are set up are not geared towards, they're more. Uh, weeding people out, but yeah. maybe not be meet, weeding the right people out. Right. Um, so navigating that system has been a big challenge and then learning the ins and outs of that and saying, you know, you're taking a psychology test for this job, but you know, what does yeah. it really have to do with the job if, right. you know, so. Um, is it a valid test? Yeah. Does it really tell you? But we're, again, we're looking at people we're being successful with, but also people who aren't getting the jobs and why they're not getting the jobs. And we're just beginning with that and we're, you know, so that piece is in development and we're going to do it with the same approach. Nice. Yeah. Bob, it's so great to talk to you about this. I just think it's wonderful the work you're doing at Match Beyond and Match Education. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Good. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this month's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you found it interesting. To listen to future editions, please subscribe to our SoundCloud and iTunes channels. To find out our next topic, follow us on Twitter at WilliamJamesEDU or visit the Organizational and Leadership Psychology main page at William James College.